0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to our special preview episode of This Must Be Pop. My name is Anna, and with me is my wonderful co host, Lizzie. Hello. And today we're going to give you a little boy band history 101, and it's going to come in handy for future episodes of the podcast. So, first, let's define what is pop music. Pop is often mistaken for a genre, but it really just means whatever music is popular at a time. Usually it takes from different styles of other genres and creates a sound representing that moment. Next, what is a boy band? Well, the definition is constantly evolving and changing, but we consider a boy band on this podcast a group or ensemble of young men making music with a catchy melody for a predominantly teenage audience. So kind of a broad definition. Because they are marketed to teens, their look and image plays a big role. And the marketing is such a huge aspect of it. And that's, in my opinion, what really defines a boy band. Also, a boy band is more of an idea and it's definitely not a genre. A lot of people have this misconception that a boy band is a music genre, but boy bands can actually be a variety of different genres from rock to R&B to hip hop. They're They're more of
1: an idea than a genre.
0: Exactly. So why are boy bands so important Basically the reason why we started this podcast. (laughs) So growing up alongside a popular boy band is often an overlooked experience for many in their youth. It's an experience that can really define the most formative years of your life when you're just discovering who you are. And although it's an experience that is shared with a lot of young people, society tends to look down on it. And there's a stigma that many carry when they say they like a boy band both when they are young and when they get older. But it's important to talk about because boy band music is often the first music that we connect with when we're young. It's the first music that we listen to that's not influenced by our parents. And it's a way for young people to establish their independence. It's usually our first concerts, our first moments of realizing our sexuality in a way that's both safe and encouraging most of the time. And unless you're of a younger age, our first CD purchase or record purchase or your
1: Spotify (laughs) download, (laughs) exactly your
0: first Spotify download. Like I said, there's so many moments that really defines a young person's life. Think about your first CD purchase, your first concert. Was it the
1: Backstreet Boys? Was it Hanson? Was it the Jackson 5? And the best part is each generation gets their own new boy bands. It's not like boy bands are just a 90s thing or just an 80s thing. I love that each new kind of like generation gets to experience their own boy band.
0: Exactly, exactly. And, you know, it is something that is shared across different generations by many women, LGBTQ folk, and it's often stigmatized by our society to a point where it's often swept under the rug and not really talked about. But now is the time to talk about it. With nostalgia at an all-time high and with the inclusion of this experience in Disney's recent movie Turning Red, more people are looking back at this time in their life of when they loved a boy band as defining moments of their life. And lastly, boy bands and their members are also not taken as seriously in the music industry. Even though some have legitimately great music and some members, for example, JC Shazay, Harry Styles, to name a couple of our favorites, they are just incredible vocalists, songwriters, producers, etc. And they deserve all the credibility in the world.
1: Yeah, exactly. And they often get just dismissed as like, oh, they're from that boy band or like, oh, who would possibly take them seriously? They're just like a money making machine for teenage girls. They're actually super, super talented.
0: (laughs) There is a reason why they have had so much success. Yeah, there's a
1: reason for their popularity. They're really, really good.
0: So let's get into a little bit of history of boy bands. Keep in mind that we are Americans on this podcast. So that's the perspective that we're coming from. You can trace back the origins of boy bands to barbershop quartets, doo-wop groups from the late 1800s up until the 1930s and 40s. And then in the 50s, we had a lot of the Motown artists, including the Temptations. And in the 60s, we had the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, the Monkees. In the 70s, we had the Bee Gees, the Jackson 5, and the Osmonds. Early to mid-80s, we had New Edition and Menudo, In the late 80s, early 90s, super important era, New Jack Swing was really popular. And it consisted of groups like Belle Biv DeVoe, which included some of the members from New Edition. After that, we had New Kids on the Block. And New Kids on the Block is really where the modern era of boy bands was really created. The New Kids on the Block were heavily influenced by the New Jack Swing music And also black R&B groups, black hip hop groups before them, and especially New Edition. And we'll get into that in their episode. But any group that started before them, all those other groups that I had mentioned, by definition are boy bands. The term boy band just wasn't created until New Kids on the Block. And then after New Kids on the Block in the early 90s, we had a lot of black R&B groups like Boys Two Men and Jodeci. And because the word boy band was still really new, they actually weren't labeled as such. But now looking back on it, a lot of music historians have identified them as being boy bands. Mid to late 90s, we had Hanson. And then, of course, Spice Girls. Yes. <laughs> Obviously, they were a girl band, but I actually think that they were really influential in the boy bands that followed them. So then came the Backstreet Boys, in Sync, 98 Degrees, LFO, O-Town. Late 90s, early 2000s was definitely the golden era of boy bands. And there is so much to discuss there. After this time, the early to mid-2000s, people like to think of this time as kind of a lull period for boy bands, but this is going to be very controversial to say, and this is coming from someone that loved all these bands, but the pop-punk bands that came in the early to mid-2000s, a lot of them, by definition, were boy bands.
1: Oh, absolutely, and... They'd probably rebel against that label. But again, like that goes back to the stigmatism of the word boy band. But also it goes back to boy band is not a genre. It's just kind of like an umbrella term. And within that, you can have a pop boy band, a punk boy band, boy bands that play instruments, boy bands who don't, boy bands who dance, choreography. There's so many different kinds.
0: Right. By definition, they were young men. Mm -hmm. They had catchy tunes. They were being marketed to teenagers. That is a boy band.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, I mean, Blink-182, Sum 41,
1: All-American Rejects. Even to some extent, like, Fall Out Boy. Yeah, um. Fall Out
0: Boy, too, definitely, definitely. But yeah, like, how they were marketed, the pop emotional love songs that they performed, their fan bases, their crazy fan bases, newsflash, they were all boy bands. Mm-hmm. And we're not saying this as a bad thing. We're just trying to put all these bands into definition. And and there are so many other bands that fall into this category of boy bands that by definition were boy bands, but, but haven't been considered boy bands in the past. But the reason why I bring up the pop punk movement is because that actually ushered in um, a different type of boy band in the mid 2000s with the Jonas Brothers and Big Time Rush. Mm-hmm. I feel like if it weren't for a lot of the pop punk and emo bands during that time we wouldn't have had the Jonas Brothers because the Jonas Brothers kind of had a little bit of a pop punk sound to them.
1: Yeah, for sure. And
0: look as well. So yeah, that brings us to the mid to late 2000s. And then am I I forgetting any other bands from that time? Jonas Brothers, Big Time Rush.
1: I think those were like the big ones until you got to 2011, Mm -hmm. the... The British invasion that the, was One Direction. The British invasion. I'm sorry, the British and Irish invasion. We can't <laughs> forget Nile.
0: I know, we can't forget Nile. So, yeah, 2010s, we had One Direction, Five Seconds of Summer, and The Wanted. Yes. You know, I was never a One Direction fan, admittedly, but I did appreciate. The fact that there was this new boy band coming out, and I was like, oh man, another generation of boy band fans. I'm not gonna lie. You know, I was 23 when What Makes You Beautiful came out. And I was like, this is a bop. Actually, we weren't saying this is a bop in 2010, but (laughs) (laughs) but I I definitely sang it in the car with my friends and I was like, this is a great song, story of my life. Really, really solid, great, well-written song. And then now, so, so after One Direction, so One Direction was in between the years. 2010 to 2015. Then 2016, 2017 is when BTS started getting really big. And that is kind of the era that we're in now. So we've got BTS and all the other K pop groups that have benefited from BTS's global success, especially in the US. And we also have American boy bands like Why Don't We, who are going through their no strings attached phase, which I'm so (laughs) proud of them for. But yeah, so that is the history of boy bands. Lizzie, anything that you want to add?
1: Oh my gosh. I think you've done such a good job of covering it. And like, I do just want to like say again, I think you're absolutely right about that mid, uh, 2000s era with the pop punk bands. And again, we know that like people are going to be like, that's not a boy band. It, it is. And it's okay. Boy bands are good. We love them here. But yeah. And I would also say like the Goo Goo dolls and Matchbox 20 to some extent too. Yeah.
0: yeah to um, some extent,
1: you know, not quite in that same umbrella, but like maybe they're like standing right outside the umbrella. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I, I feel like a lot of people think a boy band says not playing their own instruments or not writing their own songs. And the Beatles played their own instruments, they wrote their own songs. So, did the Jonas brothers. The, mm-hmm. the Jonas brothers played their own instruments. You could probably. Joe argue-
1: Jonas on the tambourine. My man <laughs> rocked it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at One Direction shows, Niall always had the guitar out. All of them took turns writing songs. You know, Niall is very involved in like the songwriting of all of his solo stuff. Five Seconds of Summer, they all play an instrument. Yeah, it's not just matching outfits and chore- choreography.
0: And One Direction. Didn't dance either. No,
1: they did not. So a lot
0: of people think, oh, a boy band has to dance. One Direction didn't dance.
1: And they were very successful.
0: I don't think a lot of people realize this. Even when bands play their own instruments, there's still a choreography that's involved. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you see a pop punk band, you know, jumping around on stage, that's kind of a choreography that they have practiced.
1: Yeah, it's not like, and, they make it look effortless because they're good at their jobs. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it, it takes like choreography, practice, patience, like to make it all look like effortless.
0: Right. Exactly. And I should also note a lot of these. So New Kids on the Block, Donnie Wahlberg got really involved in the production and writing side. Um, Backstreet Boys, AJ and Brian have written a lot of songs uh, in In sync, both Justin Timberlake and J.C. Chazay, especially J.C., Wrote and produced a lot of their music, so there's a there's a lot of history with a lot of these members that have really taken the reins and being more behind the scenes, and they don't really get the credibility that they deserve Mm -hmm. for sure.
1: Yeah, and I think that's important to note too. Is like sometimes you get your Harry Styles, who after leaving the band or after a breakup, like they go on to have like a massive solo career, but then you also have your people who are working behind the scenes, so like they're not on stage but they're still heavily involved in the music industry continuing to shape the sound of the songs that we hear and love boy bands are an influence on everything even if we don't see it their fingerprints are all over the music industry
0: oh and let's not forget no modern boy band and when I say no modern boy band I mean any band that has come after new kids on the block because that's where the definition was created no modern boy band except for boys two men has won a grammy
1: Which is just baffling because if you hear the lyrics, the sounds, not to mention like the popularity, and obviously, like commercial popularity does not equal Grammys. Um, But there are absolutely songs, bands, albums that should have won something. And they get, they almost get used by the Grammys in the music industry to perform on their award shows, draw that audience in. And then like, okay, thanks, you've done your part. Now let the real the real musicians take center stage. And it's like they are real musicians.
0: Right, exactly. And the fact that a lot of these songwriters like Max Martin, like Diane Warren, have won Grammys in for their other songs that they have written. There is no way you can say that the music that they wrote for a solo artist is any better than the songs that they wrote for a boy band.
1: Correct. And it goes back to, in my opinion, the misogyny aspect. Like, who is their audience? Oh, it's largely teenage girls, women, LGBTQ folk. And so automatically they're like, oh, well, that's whatever. I guarantee you, if boy bands were making music for a largely male audience, it would be a very different story.
0: Well, that concludes our history of boy bands. We hope you listen to future episodes when we go into a deep dive on each of these artists.